1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Family Gamers Podcast. This is episode 333.
0: Hello and welcome everybody to the show. It is an odd numbered podcast, which means we have a guest on the show. We have none other than Monica Rasso. Woo. Monica, how are you?
2: I'm doing the whole crowd clapping. Yes, Yay. everybody's clapping. Woo. <laughs> 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 Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. Now, a lot of people probably don't know who Monica is, but trust me when I tell you everybody that you will by the end of the show, and you will realize that she is a critical fulcrum point in the hobby of board gaming that we love so very, very much. She does a lot of really cool things, and uh, we'll get into that on the second half of the show. But this is the first half of the show. So, hello, everybody. We are the Family Gamers. As always, I am your host, Andrew, and I am joined by my lovely and wonderful and amazing wife, Anitra. That's me. Oh, <laughs> And uh, yeah, I have a fact. I brought a fact to the show about something else that is lovely and wonderful and adorable. Episode 333. Are you familiar with the 333 rule, Anitra?
1: No idea what have that no is. You no idea what I'm no.
0: talking about? Okay, well, this is a dog thing. Monica, you're not a dog person. You're a cat person. <laughs> we're not right? a dog. We're, we're also dog cat people. people so, like, you know, I-, I hear you on that one. But the 333 rule is for um, if you bring home a rescue dog. Like, I didn't know this was like a codified thing. It stands for three days, three weeks, and three months. Ooh. It basically talks about the rescue dog honeymoon period. I, I don't know. The 3 through 3 rule is a general guideline. Every dog is unique and will adjust differently. Give your dog space and allow him to go at his own pace or her own pace. And it says this. Hmm. In the first three days, the dog will be feeling overwhelmed, may be scared, may not be comfortable enough to be themselves, may not want to eat or drink, may shut down and want to curl up in their crate or hide under a table. But they may start testing their boundaries like a three-year-old. Aww. It doesn't say that last part, but you know, we're all parents here. <laughs> it fits. <laughs> But then it says in three weeks, you should expect your dog to start settling in, feeling a little more comfortable, realizing that this could be their forever home, figuring out their environment, getting into a routine, and might actually start letting their guard down, showing their true personality. But then you'll start to see, you know, behavior issues like a 13 year old. Uh Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And then it says, now this is important. Getting a rescue dog. It may take three months for a dog to feel comfortable in their home. At three months, they're starting to build trust in a true bond, and they'll gain a sense of, generally speaking, a sense of security with their new family, and they'll be really comfortable in their routine. So this is like the three-three-three rule. You can look it up. There's more details that are out there. I'm not going to go into it in extreme detail. Obviously, I've never implemented this, being a cat person. Our cats are three-three-three. you know, three yowls, three scratches, three bites, whatever. <laughs>
1: I mean, we did kind of implement some of this with our cats we have now, which mm-hmm. were kind of rescue cats uh we got them from a friend and they were really freaked out for several days and by three weeks they had definitely settled in and claimed us as their people
0: yeah i mean also their cats they don't really care about what's happening around them they're (laughs) like whatever whatever is it soft are you giving me food we're done so
2: in the convention world we have a six to one rule six hours of sleep Two meals and one shower. Yes. That's what you should be doing daily. Every day. I like <laughs> it. Every day. I like six two, that. one
0: <laughs> I'm not sure how many people were getting those six hours. I mean, we were getting six hours of sleep. But last weekend, I saw a lot of 3 a.m. posts from Will Meadows.
2: True. Weekend. Yeah, yeah, weekend. yeah, Will is know. actually the, um, the nighttime manager of Tantrum Con. Oh, so there you go. But the except he's awake during the day, too.
0: Week. I don't really know how he does it.
2: <laughs> yeah, naps. <laughs> Power naps. <laughs> <night. laughs>
0: All right. Well, well, we'll definitely be talking about Tantrum Con in a little bit. First, we have a message from our sponsor.
1: Did you know that some of the best financial advice is also the simplest? The book, The Richest Man in Babylon by George Clason recommends having a budget that spends no more than 70% of your income on living expenses, then saving 10% and using the remaining 20% to pay off debts. This simple formula works for most income levels. And it's a great way to get started at budgeting. As you get more familiar with your budget, you can make adjustments. And as your income increases, if you assign only half of any increase to more living expenses and the other half to debts and savings, then you'll find yourself in a much better financial position. If you need to talk about other ideas to get started on budgeting, set up a call with First Move Financial by going to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers today.
0: Thanks so much to the team over at First Move Financial for continuing to sponsor the Family Gamers podcast. You know, I'm sure I was looking at this. They've sponsored us for... Over 150 episodes now. Yeah. Which is pretty amazing. Three plus years. We really do appreciate that. Awesome. Uh, All right. At this time in the show, we get to talk about some games that we've been playing. I was pre-gaming with Monica. I've played a lot of games over this past weekend because of the convention. So I'm going to limit it down to two. But these are two games, for me at least, one I was super excited to try and was looking forward to it. And another one that I'm really, really glad that I got to play. But Monica, you get to go first. So... What were you playing at TantrumCon? Con?
2: The only game I actually played, I played two games at Tantrum Con. Actually, one one was a prototype that a designer was showing, and the second one was Furnace by Arcane Wonders. Nice. Mm, Furnace is a good game. Yeah, the prototype, it was fine. Now he's going to be watching it. <laughs> <laughs> he knows it has a little bit of work. Um, Furnace was great. I just, I really, I've played it probably eight times and I would play again. So that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. A game that I really like that we played recently, if I were to pick two is Splendor Duel. I love Splendor. And then now they have the two player game and it's amazing. There's a different selection process, a way of selecting the pieces that you're going to use to spend, to get the cards. Um, so I really like that mechanic. And then there's one more, a different color than you're used to in Splendor for some of the tokens. And yeah, there's just some really neat things that they did. So if you like some of those two-player games like Seven Wonders Duel, um, you'll definitely like Splendor Duel too.
1: We seem to be making a lot of two-player game additions to our shelves. Yeah, uh, a lot good. of, them. And, and Splendor Duel is actually one of them. Just got it in the other day. We have not played it yet,
0: but yeah, it I'm is excited. still in the shrink it was my Valentine's Day gift to Nitra.
1: Oh, awesome.
2: That's a perfect one. Very romantic for gamers. (laughs) We learned to play. I'm sure we watched a video online. I don't remember which one because my brand new fiance, he is usually the one like I hand him the game and say, learn this and then (laughs) then we'll play. (laughs) Fair
0: enough. Sounds like a match made in heaven.
2: (laughs) And he loves it. And if you ask me to teach, I am just going to make up all the rules and the designer would be appalled. So (laughs) (laughs) he, he he is wonderful like that but he you know i'm not gonna say he cheats but he um does watch videos of other people teaching him instead of just like reading the rules to learn but i think that's
0: fair it, it is fine. fair
2: that's I, I think it's perfect. Yeah. I mean, that's like true. saying
0: that like somebody who went to school for teaching was cheating because it taught yeah. them how to teach. Like that's, that's not, <laughs> yeah. how, I mean, you have to do it, right? It's okay.
2: <laughs> or if you listen to audiobooks, but did you really read it? Like, oh, oh my no. gosh, you oh are no. my spirit person.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Anitra and I have had that debate.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think you do. I think it's equivalent because, you know, I think it's equivalent. I think I you know, still th- have the same experience.
0: I think they have the same level of validity, but I don't consider it reading.
1: Yeah, yeah. it is we've, different. We've settled on, like, you have ingested the content of this book. So I would say the same thing goes with board game teaching. Yep. Like, you have ingested and, you know, really figured out how to play. Whether you did that reading the rule book or through watching somebody else teach you how to play doesn't really matter in the end. Yeah. Right?
2: I was picky about the audiobook versus real books until I met somebody who just didn't have that good a vision. So they wanted to read the book and flip the page and have that experience, but they just weren't able to. So now I'm very aware of that disability limiting that. So if they say I read this book, I'm very like, yes, you did.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm going to say that on the drive back from Tantrum Con, so we drove straight on Sunday. From 6.45 in the morning until 8.30 at night. Oh, my
2: goodness. Thank you
0: for coming. (laughs) So we listened to the book The Green Ember, which is, I mean, it's a kid's novel. But it made the drive incredibly easy. Yeah. I have not read The Green Ember, but I have listened to it.
2: <laughs> I, I feel like you've now read it if you fully experienced it. And it does depend on the reader, too. Like there's some audiobook people that I just can't listen to. So that can change your experience of the book. And there's others yeah. that people are fans of. They want to listen to this book because this person is reading it. So that's kind of cool that they get their own fans.
0: <laughs> yeah. I haven't done my Eric Summer or. Uh, audiobook listen, so I can't check off, I've listened to the Dice Tower guy audiobook.
2: Yeah, true. But, uh, eventually, <laughs> yeah. I'll
0: get there, I think.
2: If he's your favorite, you should convince him to do so.
0: <laughs> well, he does. I mean, that's his That's his full-time job. It's, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's what he does. Okay. Well, he's got a great voice for it. I mean, he opens our show, too. So. <laughs> oh, awesome. But, uh, yeah, so, I gotta get one of his books and listen to that. But anyway.
2: Yeah, definitely worth it. Support him.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Anitra. Give All me a right. game.
1: I'm actually going to talk about a game that We played adjacent to Tantrum Con. Okay. (laughs) I brought the kids to Waffle House on one of the mornings. And while we were (laughs) waiting for our food, I pulled out Fruition by Zach Connolly. This is a little 18-card game from Button Chai. And I was super excited. It basically is a party word game. It works a lot like a tapple or something like that where you're trying to come up with a word that fits the category and starts with a specific letter. Hmm. But since it's an 18 card game, it does this in a really unique way. So it's only 18 letters, obviously on the 18 cards. Uh, so he skips a lot of the ones that are normally really hard, like Q and X. And right. Z. Yeah. And every card has a letter and then four little categories underneath the letter. Each one of them has a fruit. The backside of every card is one of those fruits. So you put out a letter and then you put out a second card for categories and a third card that is the fruit that then determines what the category is. Hmm. And then everyone around the table just goes back and forth. And the last person to come up with a word that fits wins that round. That makes sense.
2: Like I tap out, I can't think of something. (laughs)
1: Yep. You have a judge for every round. And so the judge can, you know, do like a five second countdown. Last chance. And because of all this, it worked really, really well as a restaurant game because there were four of us and we're just like, okay, you can participate as much or as little as you want to. Yeah. It doesn't take up a lot of room and we can stop at any time. So it was a really good experience. I think that one is going to live in my purse a lot.
2: And what was the name of it again for, for us bad listeners?
1: Fruition. <laughs>
2: Fruition. So fruit, I-O-N. Okay. <laughs>
0: Every time I see it, I want to say fruitition. Yeah, I, I <laughs> it's just it's something about like the font on the front of yeah. the little button. Shy OK, envelope. I just want to say fruitition, but it's not that
1: it yeah. also caught my eye uh, back when I got it at PAX Unplugged because it is in a bright red uh, little button shy wallet. Mm.
2: It reminded me your description a little bit of trophies. Have you played that? It's in a tin and it also is letter driven.
1: Yeah, I, I've seen trophies and it definitely has some resemblance to that. I would say nothing about this little fruition game is super unusual or whatever, but it's a really good implementation and it's really small. And so yeah. it fits really well for this kind of use.
0: And we get to support Perfect. Zach. So.
1: And I also like Zach Connolly. Yeah, yeah, he's a friend of a cool ours. guy.
0: He's <laughs> a really nice guy. I think he lives upstate New York. That sounds Something right. Something like that. Something like that. The first game I'm going to talk about is the game that I scheduled someone to teach me at Tantrum Con wonderful and i was taught by someone else (laughs) but you were so taught. but it's okay we're all friends and this is heat pedal to the metal from days of wonder nice so i'm not like a huge racing you know like i'm not a formula d guy I, i mean i've never i've never played it like it's not that i don't like it i've never played rallyman gt i have played downforce i don't really consider downforce to be a racing game it's more of a betting game than a racing game i don't know but um Heat is really, really interesting. Have you played this, Monica?
2: I have. I played at a little convention called Mega Moose Con recently. Mm. And the part I didn't understand was like the drift. I always had somebody be like, well, how many spaces can I go around now? Like, yeah. So there's some things I didn't quite understand.
0: You mean the, the slip streaming thing? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Anitra, I know you didn't super love it. You kind of felt like you were take it or leave it on this game.
1: Yeah. I just, I am also not super big on racing games so it was enjoyable like the drift and stuff was cool but trying to plan out ahead of time like oh i want to go this far or i don't Mm -hmm. honestly i like stuff like downforce better because then you're moving multiple cars and you're betting on them or even a game like snail sprint because there's more randomness there heat is mostly, not entirely, but mostly about your skill to predict how things are going to go and, like, count out spaces and say, I want to go exactly this much. Or sometimes you risk and say, I'm going to boost and add another card. Yeah. And then you know there's a risk, but... I appreciated it, but it didn't really capture me.
2: Yeah. The hard stops were confusing to me also. Like where you said you have to like get a certain amount of spaces and then like, if you go past it, then that costs you. Yeah. So like the heat thing
0: and all that stuff. Yeah. Those were tough. The graphic design in this game is so good. When you start to break down all of the little things that they did, like as soon as you come around one of those turns that you were talking about, there's a countdown of spaces right along the side of the track and it's very faint. It's easy to see if you're looking for oh, it, but it's not enough. Yeah. Yep. It's not enough to like be you know disruptive or whatever. That's going to tell you literally exactly how many spaces you True. could go before you have to worry about that stuff again. And so like for me and the way that, and granted I like tactical games like that, but it really said like, listen, what we want you to worry about is not counting spaces on the board. What we want you to worry about is the hard tactics of the numeracy in your hand. And like, it's super easy. Like you look at it, you're like, Oh, I'm on space 16. That means I can go up to 16 before I have to worry about a, a, a curve. It's very easy to figure stuff like that out. And I thought it was just really, really interesting because you have so many decisions with the way that you can shift up or down into different gears, which allows you to play a certain number of cards. You know, I know that, for the most part, you kind of expect this from Days of Wonder. I mean, they've got a they're just like a really well run design studio, right? And they they really do an incredible job of polishing the games that come out. And I, I felt like that was this. Like I feel like if you are a fan of racing games, this is absolutely a game that you should heavily consider having in your collection.
2: Yeah, definitely. Because
0: everything it does, it's like it's so smart. I think we played it at six players, so it was a pretty crowded board, and we played kind of the base game, so we didn't have all like the extra equipment and stuff like that. But Bob Crowell was the one who who showed the game to us. Bob is an incredible teacher; he is an excellent teacher. Like that man taught me Hadrian's Wall in one. Oh my gosh! I I know, I know. It was it's crazy. I mean, could I play it again now? No, it's been a year. But you know, but like he was like, okay, this is what you do, and I felt like I was making decisions, you know, that mattered when I played that, but so he taught this as well. And he just, he just has a gift for it. And I mean, by the second turn or the third turn, like we were able to make decisions and there are certain times when you're like, you know what? I'm going to push it. I have this heat reserve that I can burn through. And so I'm going to really push it around this turn. Like, I don't think I need to go out tomorrow and spend $70 on this game. Like I'm not there, but this is a game I would buy As a gift for someone who I know likes racing games. Yeah. This is a game where if I just find myself with some store credit burning a hole in my pocket, I would not, (laughs) I would not at all be ashamed of walking away from a store with this game in my hand. True. I really, really enjoyed it.
1: It feels like one that you're going to look for at the next convention you can make it to as well.
0: Yeah, this is yeah, like I would play it at a convention because then I'm gonna find people that would be a little bit more interested in playing it with me. I definitely would be willing to consider buying this game used because I would be getting yeah. it at a discount. I mean, that seventy dollar price point, like I guess like well polished games at this point are gonna cost 70 bucks. It's just kind of reality. But it's just very good. And there's a lot of replayability in it. And this is the kind of game where like the strategy of this game and the way that you play this game with other people and just all that number crunching that you do in the four different uh, maps, there's the USA and the France, and then I don't know what's on the other side, it really like feels like one of those crunchy enough games that you're just you sink your teeth into it every time, you never get sick of it. Like steak.
2: It's a state game. There you go, and you're continuously (laughs) mathing because the person before you, you don't know how many you know spaces they're going to go, and how that's going to affect you. And you had that six perfect in your hand, but somebody affects you, and now you need a four, but you don't have a four. (laughs) So, (laughs) but yeah, yeah, the UV highlights I feel like that were on the box cover is very attractive and. Mm definitely well
0: created i'm on record for being a sucker for spot varnish yes um, <laughs> on boxes yeah. but yeah they just it's a great production and i really enjoyed it that was heat from days of wonder heat pedal to the metal Ooh.
1: i got to play south Sharf at tantrum um so this is a game we actually talked about with our writer nick martinelli when we were talking about stuff we were looking forward to in 2023 mm-hmm. and south Sharf. Is currently only in Germany, but should be coming to the U.S. in a couple of months. Uh, hmm. We don't know what the actual name of it is going to be in English. Probably something that? like hot peppers or hot yeah, sauce spice, spice. It is a card game where where you are recruiting hot peppers, uh, and then you are spending sets of those hot peppers to make hot sauces. Honestly, this is one of those games that really could be anything, but the illustrations of the peppers and the hot sauces are funny, and it all fits together nicely in that. It's an interesting kind of set collection game that the entire thing is open bidding. The first half of the game, you are bidding only for cards, um, and whoever puts down the biggest number or largest set goes first in whatever round. You then pick from the little market of cards. You pick whichever set you want. Uh, They get grouped together by number. So if you have multiple of the same number, you can buy all of those in one go. Hmm. And I mean, that's how you build up your deck. And then in the second half of the game, you pick up the whole deck again that you have built up in the first half. And now you have an enormous hand of cards. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But now there's still the open bidding and you can choose whether you want to Once you make your bid, you know, everybody puts down their cards and then it's first, second, third, fourth, whatever you choose when it comes around to you. If you want to spend those cards, you put down to make a hot sauce to buy a hot sauce, basically. So they're everything from like three of a kind for one of the absolute cheapest hot sauces to like nine of a kind for (laughs) some of the most expensive ones. And you can overpay if you want to, or if something isn't out there that you wanted, you know, somebody else took it first. But when you pay for a hot sauce, those cards go away, you get the hot sauce tile. You're good. You still have the option to bid for cards in the market instead. So when it comes around to you, you didn't get the hot sauce, you want somebody else already took it, whatever. You can instead add more cards to your deck, basically, you will have to take a turn at some point to pass on bidding to pick up that deck and add it to your hand. So it becomes interesting. The first couple of rounds in the second half of the game, everybody's just bidding and they're getting hot sauces. And then you're like, oh, well, now I'm kind of running out of cards. I don't have the kinds of sets I need. And there are some cards out there that would be really helpful for me. So then you're going back and forth and some people are getting hot sauces. Some people are getting cards. And the thing is that when somebody buys their third hot sauce, the game is immediately over. Oh, wow. I mean, technically, you finish the round. So, like, everybody has bid. If the first person, the winning bid, buys their hard su- third hot sauce, the other players will still get a chance to work out their bid and buy something. But then at the end of the game, any cards you have left in your hand and in your deck count against you. Hmm. <laughs> Thankfully, it's not their value that counts against you. It's just every card is like negative one point. So it is a really tense balancing act near the end of the game of I really want to grab that hot sauce. But if I do, I might end the game. And I still have too many cards in my hand. Is there a way that I can bid for cards and throw away more of these cards that I already have? So I really like that tension, even having played it only once. I am really looking forward to seeing it come to the U.S. and try it again.
2: Are there words on the cards or is it something that's more picturesque? It is
1: just the pictures of the peppers or the hot sauces and numbers. All right. That's it.
2: Yeah, I can think of another German game. It's called Nachmal.
1: Mm. Oh, yeah.
2: Bravo in English. And that was. Uh, It's Encore. It's Encore in English. Okay. Yep. Or Bravo. Yeah, that would be also German. Yeah, same idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We had that in our play to win at TantrumCon. But yeah, there's nothing on there. Like if you just learned how to play it, there's nothing on the kind of roll and write type of sheets that is in German or English or any language. It's all dice. So that's pretty awesome when publishers can make something like that, that all you need is the instructions
1: in the other language to be able to play the game. There was one other touch that told me that the people who were involved, at least in illustrating this, were big fans of hot sauce and hot peppers, which is, there is, of course, a wild pepper, because of course there is, it's a card game. (laughs) And the wild pepper has an
0: X. Um, so like Pepper X. Pepper
1: X is yeah. one of the hottest peppers in the world. <laughs> I was going to so, ask
2: about a ghost pepper. <laughs>
1: so that really amused me. It's like this tiny little touch. But yeah. people who are hot sauce aficionados know exactly what that means. I
0: not if I'm a hot sauce aficionado. I just know a lot of really useful.
1: Okay. Junk. Like knowing information <laughs> about hot sauces, I guess. Uh,
0: you had me at like knowing information, but <laughs> I don't disagree. Monica, do you want to talk about one more?
2: There is a game that I would like to talk about. I did not get to play it at Tantrum Con, but one of our special guests, um, since you opened the conversation talking about dogs, this company is called Underdog Games, and Danielle Reynolds was one of our special guests, and she co-designed a game called Her Story, Like Mm -hmm. history, but her story. Mm -hmm. And this is Women's History Month. So I wanted to mention that. And they actually have a sale on this game going on. Because of the freedoms that we got in the year 1919, they are selling the game online for $19.19. 19. So With the 19th oh, Amendment. <laughs> the 19th exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so all these 19s. So although I have not had the privilege to play it yet, I do kind of want to wait until I'm with her again. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I just thought that would be like a cool game to mention this month and seeing that she was just a, a guest at Tantrum Con 2 and that awesome special for all your listeners. They go buy a great game at a really low price.
0: I actually think they had posted something the other day saying that they were actually losing money on the game at that they are. point. Yeah. Um, but it's so important to get that out there and, you know, really shine a light on a lot of the contributions that uh, women have made to really every facet of our lives. So it's a really cool thing. I've got a chance to meet Danielle the first time at Q's Con last year. I know we, I feel like we talk about Q's Con every week, uh, but she was a special guest there. And um, you know, we've been talking a little bit. She lives like a half an hour away from us. So True, yeah. <laughs> we're actually trying to plan a time when we can get together for a game night in talking about actually this sale and the coverage of her story. There is a copy being sent to us for review. So that's definitely something we'll be playing and talking about a little bit more, awesome. but definitely I know there are homeschoolers who listen to this, uh, it is a, a really interesting opportunity to get your hand on something that can really shine a light on some significant historical contributions.
1: Yeah. I watched a little bit of, uh, of the teach shall mm. I say, mm-hmm. and I can tell people that although the art makes this look like a very adulty kind of game, it's really accessible. Pretty much if your kids are old enough to read at all, they will get something out of this game. And I'm really, really looking forward to getting a chance to play it and play it with our kids. And I think with the way that it's structured, it can really whet a kid's appetite to learn more about these various historical figures.
0: Awesome. You know, for anybody who doesn't know, Underdog Games is the company that releases those trekking games. So trekking the national parks, trekking the world, trekking trekking through history, I think. Yeah. So they self-bill as a family game company. So these are definitely not like super heavyweight, mega crunchy games or anything like that. Good call out, Monica. That's a good one.
2: (laughs) Oh, thank you. I was like, you know, it's kind of commercially, but I think that's fine. Whatever. I think it's worth it. And I'm not involved in any way. So,
0: (laughs) yeah. All right. So the last game I will talk about is a game. This is also a commercial. It is on Kickstarter right now. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So two weeks ago, we had Chad Elkins on the show. And he was talking about a lot of the cool stuff that he does at 25th Century Games. And one of the things that he mentioned was the Kickstarter that they were just starting and is, it's now, I think, when this comes out, it will be in its last week, last few days. And it is a Kickstarter for three games. Color Field is one of them. Donut Chop is one of them. And the last one is a game called Agueda. Chad talked a little bit about Agueta on the show. It is related to the Umbrella Project, which is just like really, really cool thing. If you go to the Kickstarter page for Agueda or for this, you know, kind of triple game thing, there's a link to the Umbrella Project or you can just Google it. And on the Umbrella Project homepage, there's actual video of people like walking down one of the streets with the umbrellas overhead. And it just looks so cool. Yeah. So cool. And it's, you know, for a great cause. But Anitra, you and I and some other people played Agueta we did it was really cool so in this game you're trying to fill your rows of umbrellas which are kind of symbolic of like you know covering the the street and you do it by drafting umbrellas in diagonals across this like common board so the way it works is it can be because it's how diagonals work on a rectangle um you could draft one two or three umbrellas depending on where you chose from and the angle if you draft one umbrella you also get a coin if you draft two it's neutral and if you draft three you have to pay a coin but then you put these umbrellas into your street and there's certain places where you definitively want certain colors and depending on the way the tokens are related to the rows you may or may not be able to score colors of umbrellas in those particular rows by placing one of your like little meeple people on that row it's a super smooth game it's very fast Uh, I think a game of it with the teach was maybe a half an hour
1: Nice Um, about that. Yeah,
0: but this might actually be next to green team wins because that game doesn't count. Um, (laughs) In my opinion, the best 25th century games game I've played.
1: I really liked it. It had all of the puzzly things we like, but it never felt punitive.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a game that like this is a game I could see myself literally playing back to back. Like I, I wouldn't marathon this game or anything, but like the game doesn't overstay its welcome or even close. Yeah, um, which I really like about it.
2: I love how at Tantrum Con, when he came, his booth was right there in the front, and it's so colorful. It was yep. so welcoming. Like all of his games are just so well thought out. The components are unique and amazing. There's just something that draws you in to just his whole booth, and and mm-hmm. everything is just so upgraded. Yeah, I can't say enough good things about 25th Century.
0: And you can't you can't watch it since you're listening, <laughs> but I did buy this. I'm showing Monica on the stream. 25th. Mug. Mug. Oh my gosh, he has sells the best mugs. This mug is so great. I love it. <laughs>
2: everything's good quality i got a um promotional fanny pack of green Team <laughs> wins at origins and i was like dang this is even pretty awesome like yeah, he's actually pretty handy yeah. <laughs> he put so much thought into every single thing that it's wonderful to see i met him i don't even know how many years ago and it was at proto atl and he had just this one little game that wasn't even finished called christmas lights Mm-hmm. and yep. just so enthusiastic and it's awesome to see where he's grown and how his business has grown and he's just stayed who he is an honest caring huge game fan and it's it's wonderful to see that success
0: Yep. It, it's it's cool to see someone who is so comfortable in their own skin and self-confident and he just he knows what he's doing and he knows what works and he knows what doesn't and you know he's just going to keep on doing that thing that he does so it's really cool he's a cool guy all right i said i was going to keep it to two so i'm going to keep it to two i could talk about so many more but um does anybody else have anything that they feel like they need to talk about
1: i'm trying to keep it short this week
0: yep i'm being good too (laughs) (laughs) all right all right so we'll take a break and when we come back monica we're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff we've already talked a little bit about tantrum con i guess we'll get started there and how you uh how you're involved there and then we'll talk about some of the other cool stuff that you do sounds good all right we'll be right back In Swahili, the word Kuzuka roughly means "breakout." out. In Kuzuka, we are going to help the animals break out of the zoo. This is a Snap Review for
1: Kuzuka. In Kuzuka, two to six players work together to help the whole team of animal companions escape.
0: Kuzuka was designed by Leo Colovini, and it's published by Pegasus Spiel. It's good for most ages, and a game should take 30 to 45 minutes.
1: The art and the graphic design here is friendly and colorful, but it doesn't really scream kid, except maybe the front of the
0: box. That sloth is very cute. There are six types of color cards, which are all distinct from each other and have matching symbols on the board. This is a chance to point out that the shapes correlating with the colors are great if you have colorblind gamers in your gaming group.
1: Each player gets to take on the role of an animal and gets wooden tokens in the shape of that animal's head. Plus a special ability card that shows the animal being active on one side and asleep on the back of the card. I love it! So how do we play Kazooka?
0: Well, you'll start by giving each player an animal card and the corresponding tokens. Then you'll choose a difficulty level, easy, medium, hard, and set the experience cards down in a stack in numerical order.
1: Place an unused animal token on the round tracker and you're ready to start. Deal out cards as specified on the first experience card. It's going to be about 20 cards divided, starting with the first player. Most likely, not everyone will get the same amount of cards, and that's okay.
0: Then the first player places an animal token somewhere on the first section of the path leading out of the zoo. They are suggesting an escape plan. On your
1: turn, you can either add to the escape plan by placing a token further down the path, either in the current section or the next section, or you can suspend the escape and end
0: the round. Placing your token carefully lets you communicate to the rest of the players what kind of cards you have in your hand and what kind of escape you can support, because you're not supposed to be sharing what you have in your hand.
1: If the clues available don't leave you comfortable going further down the path, you can instead suspend the escape, which ends the round. When you do that, you take a look at the last token on the path and note its color and number, in this case something like a green five. Everyone reveals their cards.
0: If the whole group has at least as many cards in the escape color as that last token on the path, you gain experience stars. They're shown in these small starred numbers next to the spot on the path.
1: If you hit the color card number exactly on your escape attempt, you also add a universal tool card to the deck, which works as a wild
0: card. You can spend experience to unlock new experience levels based on the difficulty level you chose at the beginning of the game. Each experience level card specifies more and more color cards that are dealt out to the group in future rounds, and even a few face-up color cards for everyone to see. Whether you gained experience or not,
1: shuffle all the color cards together again, clear all the animal tokens from the board, and get ready for the next round. Deal out cards according to the experience level, and try to get farther down the path this time.
0: You have seven rounds to try to escape the zoo. To win the game, you'll need to get all the way from the start zone at the beginning to the escape zone at the end of the path, and have enough cards to support that escape.
1: Of course, every animal also has its own special power they can use once per round. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in the
0: surprises. So, Anitra, Kazooka, what did you expect?
1: I'm kind of burned out on zoo games, so (laughs) I avoided Kazooka for a while. I knew it was cooperative. The box says it's playable down to about age eight, but there was nothing that really grabbed me about the box or the description.
0: I mean, the box talked about uh, Zoo Escape, so I knew the general theme, but when I think of Zoo Escapes, I think of goofy animated movies, right? And this art definitely didn't match that. It seemed more mature than that. So other than that, I I didn't really have anything I could relate it to, so I didn't have any well-formed expectations.
1: I would say Kazooka turned out to be pretty different than what we were expecting. I think that's true. So, let's talk about the surprises. Sure. To me, it felt a lot like Liar's Dice, which is a game where you're trying to guess what everyone has without busting. But Kazooka does it in a cooperative way, and you're trying to give the other players clues about what you have. I really liked that.
0: We also loved being able to choose from the 10 different animal powers. Some of them felt really thematic, like the sloth whose special power (laughs) is to just do nothing on their turn.
1: They could pass. (laughs) Kazooka is the kind of game that gets a lot harder at higher player counts. You and I know each other well, so when it was just the two of us, we were able to escape, even at a moderate difficulty. But the more players there are, the harder it is to have confidence that there are enough cards in a particular color to keep going down the path.
0: But there are still ways to give clues, and the more players you have, the more animal abilities you can use. For me, there's a video game genre called a roguelike. So a roguelike game is one where you play, and eventually you're going to die. you get as far as you can, but then you're going to die. But then when you play again, you have all the powers or skills that you learned from the last time you played and that's exactly what you're doing here in Kazooka. And if you break the game down to its fundamentals, it really does feel like a board game version of a roguelike. And I've never seen that in a board game, and I think that's really cool. Based on all that, do we recommend Kazuka? We enjoyed Kazooka, but
1: even though the box says ages 8+, plus, we generally recommend it for older kids and adults who won't get frustrated by how hard it is and having to kind of start over and over again. This is a pretty tough game. So, Andrew, what are we going to rate Kazooka?
0: I think we're going to rate Kazooka three escaped zoo animals out of five.
1: And that's Kazooka in a snap. And we're back. We are here with Monica Rasso, and we are going to talk about a bunch of the different stuff she does. And I guess we'll start with Tantrum Con. How's that sound, (laughs) Yeah,
0: I think that makes a lot of sense. So, Monica, let's talk about Tantrum Con. How are you associated with the Tantrum House crew?
1: I went to a local
2: convention. I know I've mentioned Mega Moose Con twice, but it's, (laughs) it's just a little convention up in Rock Hill, North Carolina. And there were three guys sitting down and a friend of mine was teaching a game and asked if I wanted to play also. So I sat down and these three guys, unbeknownst to me, were Will, Ryan and Kevin from Tantrum House. And go. didn't know these guys. So as we're talking and playing this game and getting totally slaughtered by the game designer himself, <laughs> of which we all remember, like that moment where we're like, <laughs> he just wiped us with that game. Like, <laughs> but they told me that they had a game day for free in Greenville, and I feel like they said something like two hundred people came out. So I was like, what'd you say? You you, <laughs> you what? And I was like, do you know what I do? So. At the time, I had just volunteered at conventions, and I was a paid general manager for a convention up in Milwaukee, but I didn't have any of my own, so I told them, I think I could do this. I've, you know, learned from this mentor up in Milwaukee. I I think I can do this, so I presented to them, like, professionally, went to the whole group and said, you know, do you guys want a convention, and they said, yes, they do, and so it just kind of went from there, and we made a pact at that time where... I would serve as general manager. We each have our roles. They are very well thought to each of our talent areas. And the team is just amazing. And it's so nice that everybody just has these different areas that they love and they specialize in. And we fine tuned it to hopefully a wonderful experience for people nowadays and a wonderful experience for us. Like it is work, but we Love it. We welcome so many new ideas. If if anybody has an idea, you know, we just kind of go, yeah, let's try to make that work. Or I challenge people like this year with Katie, I said, I want a werewolf hallway. I want something scary. I don't know, like Spanish moss or something. And a couple of us have art degrees and she's one of them. And she made this amazing Bézier werewolf hallway with scary cutouts and everything. And you know, you just give for me as a manager, it's great because I give very little direction at this point. We all know our strengths and our weaknesses, and you could just be like, Hey, Katie, make something amazing out of this. Mm-hmm. Hey, Will, I want to advertise to this group. Can you throw something together? Very little direction on the part of the general
0: manager. <laughs> they hey, will, I want to advertise. Everything. Can you be a complete maniac? <laughs> yes, yes, I can.
2: <laughs> will does all of the design, also helped by Sarah. Sarah did some of the, um, t-shirt designs the flip the table t-shirt did you guys Mm -hmm. see that one it was something like i came here to play the game win the game or flip the table so i thought that was super fun Yeah, so that's how i met them and that's was probably six years ago seven years ago that's become tantrum con as it is now
0: all right awesome so let's talk a little bit about the show do you do you have any like vital stats on the show this year
2: Sure. What kind of statistics do you I want? I don't
0: know. I'm, I, how many people were there?
2: <laughs> I had planned to do 700. I felt that was the proper capacity for the space, but we did oversell and had 750. 750- Fifty, and we had to turn people away for the last month that we had sold out. And really the 750 creeped up because I ended up needing like some more volunteers and just things that we needed internally to make the show work.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So that's our statistic. Every day for about a month, I'd get one to five phone calls. So if you call that phone number on our website, that's my cell phone number. <laughs> that is like, <laughs> oh, <no>. personally <laughs> comes to me because I'm that controlling. No. <laughs> so people would call and be like, So I see on the website that it says sold out and that nothing will be sold at the door. Is that right? I'm like, That's right. I'm so sorry. Please yeah, come next year.
0: But it yeah. yeah,
2: I had to turn yeah. people away. So we think we probably could have sold a thousand. So I'm wow. thinking that'll be our goal for next year.
0: Yeah. Do you think you can fit that many people in the same space? Or... Absolutely
2: not. Yeah, we <laughs> we could have moved this last year, but I said, let's try one more because, you know, COVID really hit and hurt event planners. Of not course. only do I do yeah. the conventions in the game world, but I also run scrapbooking retreats down in Florida. So my whole life is events. So when COVID hit, it was about a year and a half that event managers did Nothing, yeah, and then it was so slow to build back up mm-hmm. that I didn't want to risk that you know even last year people were masked at conventions, and people had different you know various views on that, and so we still weren't quite sure of the numbers, so I wanted to err on the side of caution and just go ahead and fill up what we know. We loved the hotel, we love the people that work with us there, so we thought we'd just do a really good show at that capacity and you know, Keep it there for now. Yeah.
0: It was a great hotel. It was a great show. Other than the pool.
2: <laughs> I'm so sorry. I did not even know it was closed. I looked in and it had water. So I'm like, whoa, can't wait to go to the pool.
0: <laughs> oh, it
1: was only closed for a certain portion of Saturday, but that was the okay. portion when we told our kids
0: that we were going to take them. Oh, yeah. no. it, it was the perfectly wrong time to be closed. Uh, but it, also it wasn't was, really. It was an either. accident outside of anybody's control. Yeah, it's fine. It, That's it, what <laughs> I was thinking. There must have been like a
2: diaper episode or some, some type no, of issue. I guess issue. somebody. Could,
0: Somebody like ripped out one of the pool lights. Oh, my goodness! And so there were like exposed wires or something.
2: Yeah, maybe not get electrocuted at that point. Yeah, 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 that's not why you came. Yeah, Yeah. it's (laughs) a different kind of heat.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. All right, so you also run cruises. I do. So,
2: how that began was I. Met some ladies at Dice Tower Con where that's where I got my start. I started volunteering at Dice Tower Con a million years ago. And these ladies were like, we do a board gaming cruise. I was like, oh, what? Uh-huh. <laughs> They're like, we bring a hundred people. We play board games. We have a whole like schedule and, you know, it's a floating hotel. You've got your room, you've got all the food you can eat. It's wonderful. And we just focus on games the whole time. So I went on that. I loved it. And then... Melissa and Sherry, who are the owners of CruzyCon, they said, This is a lot of work for us. You know, they have big girl jobs, not like my event manager stuff. <laughs> where they're like making differences in the world. So they said, Could you be our cruise director? and take on some of this admin stuff. And I was like, aye, aye, captain, I'm on it. And and, and, oh, you get a free cruise. And I'm like, yep, I'm I'm done. done. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how I started with that. And then I loved it so much. I was like, can we do this more, please, please? And they're like, no, seriously, we have other jobs. So I asked if it wouldn't offend them if I started meeples at sea, just to have cruises more often. So do theirs in the spring and meeples at sea would never compete. And they said, that sounds good. Well, then as COVID hit, it was just one thing after the next. And they had promotions and things happen in their lives that they were like, you know, I don't think we're going to do CruzyCon anymore. So basically, um, we merged the two companies. So CruzyCon and Meeples at Sea. So sometimes you'll see both logos. Like on my website, it's GameConHQ.com. You'll see both of those listed on there because we merged them. So Mm -hmm. now, yeah, it's just Meeples at Sea. And like I said, it's a convention on the water, all the food you can eat, all the activities. (laughs) You get to go to different countries. Um, And once you add up how much you spend at the hotels and on food and on travel, the cruise really doesn't look that bad at all.
0: Yeah. So do you do a, like a spring and a fall then or something like that? We or? used
2: to. Yeah, we used to do um, spring and then a December because there are a lot of people that are in the education field, whether it's college professors or people with kids. Like I wanted something where people could also come during school breaks. So sure. right now we just have it in the spring. So our next one leaves on March 19th. (laughs) So it's coming up quickly next
0: week or something like that. Yes, it is.
2: It's in about two and a half weeks. But if you go to our Facebook page, it's just called game cruise group. You'll see like everybody has the countdown on there. So it, I believe I looked today and it was like 16 or 17 days Mm -hmm. that that's happening. So it is coming up fast. And then the one after that is April. I'm looking at my calendar, April, 2024, And that website's just meeplesatsea.com for that information. But I want to do one that summer also so that we can get the people. Maybe that one could be more family friendly. I have been trying to entice the tantrum house people to maybe do a combo tantrum house meeples at sea cruise. So they are definitely excited about that. We just have to figure out like, how are we going to do it? What families would come? Who's interested? And really make that the family-friendly one where you have kids' events and foster our gamers in training.
0: Yeah, yeah. well, let me know if you need any help on that one. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so... I'm sure people could just look up maples if they're, you know, sitting at their desk or whatever. But for people that are driving or lazy people like me, like what's the cost for something like a gaming cruise like that?
2: Yeah, it depends because as you know, when you go to buy a cruise, it depends on the cruise line, it depends on the time of the year. So mm-hmm. I challenge my travel agent. I don't do all of this. I'm not like a, a registered travel agent. I am seriously still just the cruise director that plans all of the gaming activities. But I challenge him to find like the best price in like a two month range. That's why this year it's March next year, it's April. Sure. And so he tries to get the best price because I want the best price for you guys. So really, that's kind of how it's determined. Um, it also depends on how many days like we used to do cruisy was usually four or five days because they were trying to minimize the time that people take off work. Corey and I, my travel agent, have bumped it up to a week-long cruise. That way you're really making a vacation out of it. So now we leave Sunday through Sunday and get that full Mm. um, eight days, seven nights experience. So he tries to get the best price for us, and that's kind of where we start out at. Because I don't want to pay a ton of money either. I would, and all of the decisions that I make, like whether it's in conventions or scrapbooking retreats or cruises, I always ask myself, would I pay for this? Is this value good for what I'm getting? Um, and I, I try to deliver on that and take it very seriously.
0: I'm on the meeples at sea website, which actually does redirect to CruzyCon. So I see that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if these change over time, but at least right now, it's about 1400 per person for an interior cabin, a double occupancy to get on the uh, the April 2024 Norwegian Encore.
2: Yeah. So if you think about that for that, say, 1400 per person, and again, that's a whole week. So that's about $200 a day. And again, you're getting all the food you can eat. You're getting top-notch dinners. We could have two steaks and a lobster if you wanted. Like, And you also get your entertainment on the boat. And the game convention is all built into those prices. And I believe the price is online. He includes the taxes and port fees and all of that. So if you were to go to Celebrity and go, oh, it's only a thousand on here. But then once you add up all those fees and service charges and all of that, um, it does add up
0: well and you get a welcome bag for every guest packed with games and other items from sponsors you don't get that from celebrity
2: (laughs) yes so cruise econ we used to get this one big like awesome huge gamer bag but it was per room so if you went with somebody that's not in your household then you're like we had to kind of do this like okay you pick first and then I pick one of the games split it up (laughs) I
0: split you choose (laughs)
2: exactly so what I do is everybody gets like a smaller bag like this year I could show it to you but Your your audience wouldn't see it. We get a beach bag. And I'm trying to remember if this is public knowledge, but you will get a a beach bag and then you guys will get to choose your games. So say there's a choice of four different games. So if Anitra picked two and Andrew picks two, you go home with four unique games for your household nice. instead of like everybody gets this one game and then you have two copies and yeah, yeah. that sort of thing. So I well, try to our be- Well, listeners
0: don't mind that because we end up giving away the second game <laughs> yeah. on the
2: show. Yeah, we so. have duplicate <laughs> copies, yeah. And I'm sure my sponsors don't mind throwing in an extra copy for like media. So if I knew media was coming, I could be like, hey, we, we got to give them something extra. Right. But I try to do something thematic. So there's a guy named Chong Yi that lives up in Illinois and his company is Puff Piece Promos, and he does pretty much everything for all my conventions, including Tantrum Con, all the swag besides Mm -hmm. the soft stuff, like not the shirts or towels or that sort of thing. But he does everything, our dice trays, the tumblers, the water bottles. He made these amazing tantrum house bags. I don't know if you saw those, those big squares that were embroidered. His work is outstanding
0: that reminds me i meant to buy one of those giant they they have the tantrum house dice trays but they were like really big yes yeah i meant to buy one of those and i forgot
2: he made nine inch one so you know what i'll order you an extra meeples at sea one because i think i'm ordering (laughs) the exact same one (laughs) for meeples at sea but yeah it's a nine inch um and it fits great in your suitcase so that was a surprise that my meeples at sea people did not know (laughs) i'm trying to be considerate for those that fly in so that you could stick a di- you know that flattened dice tray yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in yeah, your yeah. suitcase. So
0: Yeah, we have a couple of like the personal pan pizza sized uh, ones. <laughs> yeah. but, like, just the <laughs> idea of having a dice tray that you kind of put in the middle of the table for like all of the die rolling is really yep. attractive to me. And or so,
2: to be but, able to push it to the next person too yeah, if you totally. need to. Yeah. yeah,
0: totally. Uh, Well, I really... So Anitra, next year is our 20th anniversary. Ooh, you want to go on a board game cruise? Ooh, (laughs)
1: that could be fun. It could be fun. Yeah. I don't
0: know. We'll see. But you do other cruises, right? You're cruise director for some other stuff, right? Were you the cruise director for the Podfather cruise? No,
2: but I can't say too much about it. Like, So Stephen Bonacore, I've known him for years, met through the Dice Tower convention back then, and he made the cruise plans for his ship. And then he saw my cruise advertised at Origins, and he's like... I didn't know that was your company. I didn't know that was you. He's like, I, you know, I'm already working with this group and yeah. <laughs> and he's like, but I could do two cruises a year. If you want yeah, a special guest. I love so. Him. He's so hilarious. Yeah. So Bonacore. He, yeah. So he, he made sure to recognize like I'm doing this, but I didn't mean it anything against you. And I'm like, I did not take it that way at all, but that's I so hope. Funny. I don't know why
0: I tied you two together in my head. I guess. Yeah, it's just no, we are friends. Yeah. It's I don't know. We
2: are good contacts. And yeah, I wouldn't mind doing something with him. Or if anybody wants a, a cruise and to team up on that, I'm definitely open to it. But totally not mad at him. Had some friends that went on his cruise and gave me the scoop and everything. And they <laughs> said it was amazing. Like one of my friend's wives is not much of a gamer normally like he he's always trying to get her to play and he took Mm. her on the cruise and she's like "Eh, i don't know and she loved it she was like it was just a matter of introducing her to the right games and finding where she fits Mm -hmm, and she was mm -hmm. open to it and he just said she had a a wonderful time
0: that's awesome i love it that's so great to hear um gosh well monica you do a lot of things is there anything that i've missed
1: Well, I'm looking at GameCon HQ and I see Proto ATL listed here. Yes.
2: So I get back on the 26th from the cruise, March 26th. And three days later on Wednesday night, I need to be in Atlanta for Proto ATL. Mm. So as you could kind of get from the name, it's in Atlanta, and it's a prototype convention. Um, Andrew Smith, who is a publisher, Gold Seal Games. Different Andrew uh, Smith. I know, right? different Andrew Smith.
0: <laughs> Actually, somebody did ask me at TantrumCon Con if I was that Andrew Smith. And I was like, nope. There are three of us in the board game industry.
2: Yeah. So we call him Andy. You know, some of his his friends call him Andy. So that's how I try to differentiate if I'm talking about you guys. (laughs) But he started this a a few years ago. It might have even been five years ago now. And there's a company called PSI, which is a Mm -hmm. um, distributor in Atlanta. And he used to run this out of their break room. And the break room (sighs) was just like in the back. They'd rent tables and chairs and kind of just fill this break room and the um, hotel was a little bit of a commute from where they're located and kind of this industry park. And so we'd always have to, you know, we could only stay there so long and then we'd have to commute to the hotel for overnight. And so I asked him, would you be interested in a convention that's all in one, like having the whole convention right in the hotel, you know, just like the tantrum con type of theory and having food there and all that. And he said, I would love that. And we could stay late to game so that's how we partnered up was basically me saying this place is so small we could do better <laughs> <laughs> but coming in with that little like <laughs> let's do this and he was totally for it so now we're in the west end buckhead downtown atlanta very cool place and yeah it's growing it's So what is a prototype convention? We call it the business side of gaming. So we bring in publishers, designers buy badges. We have a few play testers. But as a designer, you're really getting quality play testers because it is people that are strongly in the industry. Other designers that can give amazing feedback on your prototypes. The creativity that happens in this weekend is amazing just being in that room you just have all these like this inspiration this just amazing weekend so i of course definitely recommend it to anybody who's thinking of game design Um, even if you don't have a design yet we've got some prototype pieces from the game crafter which is one of our sponsors lots of opportunities we have seminars i'm trying to think of who's all giving seminars i know pat marino did one for designers at tantrum con
0: nice Yeah. So
2: it'll it'll be a really great weekend. It's really nice to see no published games get played. They have to all be prototypes. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, you know, at night during networking events, you could pull out some taco cat goat cheese pizza or something to just like get your brain off of all the work you've done uh, during the day. Sure. So, yeah. yeah,
0: it's like a working convention, kind of but a fun work.
2: Yeah. Job. And we try to end it, you know, like after dinner and definitely do the networking because while there's the prototype play, it's really awesome to meet people on a one-to-one basis and learn sure. about that person, about that designer, publisher, whoever you're talking to and just finding out like what you guys are doing with me. Like, how did this happen? What's your inspiration? And just getting that humanized part of networking. So we will absolutely have networking events every night.
0: Sweet. Cool. All right. Well, I, I have one last question. Yes, sir. Uh, you can change names to protect the innocent or the guilty, <laughs> but given that you have gone to so many conventions and you have organized so much, what is a crazy story from a convention?
2: Like I can't even I'm tell crazy. you things. Like because I'm on the disciplinary side of the convention. Like I'm the, you know, somebody came up to Sarah this week and she she runs registration flawlessly don't even have to think about it and i was somewhere else and they did the let me talk to your manager <laughs> so she's like you want my manager oh you don't know what you're asking for so like i'm in the that knowledge level of what goes on at conventions i would say if you were going to not go the disciplinary way but something that's amazing that happens i don't know who could beat flipping tables off a stage like we do in tantrum con (laughs) come on what else is there to beat
0: (laughs) right well i'll tie two things together and danielle reynolds table flip was a particular form of epic because technically the table did not flip it just went like 10 feet in the air and fell tented. straight down and tented, yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what spinach she ate or if she like, <laughs> you know, conjured Popeye to like be part of her muscles <laughs> no. and her partner. I I do know there's a lot of plotting beforehand and absolutely certain that those people come up to any of us staff members. Do you have some uh, uh feedback or some pointers for what we should do? And we do, we give them some pointers. <laughs>
0: <Gable-flipping> tips. <laughs> Lift with hey, your knees with your back. And, yeah. You know, and these tables the are table. light. So
2: they're lightweight plastic tables. We do have the splash zone where we make sure everybody's safely out of the way. We had one table flip, I think by Marty and Tony from Rolling Dice and Taking Names that it flipped and then it landed on its legs. Wow. There you go. Wow. That, that's
0: pretty epic. That's like yes. a Carrie like Strug nailed it kind of moment. Like, Yeah. it yeah. goes wild.
2: Derek Funkhauser <laughs> no. flipped a table once. Maybe on his own. I'm trying yeah, to Yeah, I feel like Derek's the
0: type of person and the size of person who could just do it on he his own. He
2: could. But yeah. he did this pose where he went down and he looked like this, you know, those weightlifters that have, yeah. you know, the weights <laughs> yes. across their shoulders and they hoist them up. And so he had that look and people turned him into a meme. He started <laughs> it. He put his own picture up there and said, meme this. Hey, and he naturally. had that face of like, and, and that went around like crazy. So <sighs> that, those two so things. Funny. We're pretty awesome. Are there
0: rules to the uh, table flip? Like you can't grab the legs or anything?
2: We actually don't have any rules. Just (laughs) three, two, one, flip. And we don't know what's happening. And I hope nobody gets hurt. I do make them wear the glasses, like some protection glasses. Whether Jonah always reminded them to do so or not. (laughs) (laughs) Gamers are amazing people. We really... It is a really trusting group of good people, so they kind of know their risks at flipping this table. But, yeah, we don't really have too many problems. I hope it's all memorable things that are wonderful, like the table flip um, that people see. And I have one more convention game and party con in Jacksonville. Awesome. But it's structured similar to Tantrum Con, so it's like a Tantrum Con baby. (laughs)
0: Nice. Monica, it has been lovely to get to know you over the last couple of years. We didn't even get to talk about Gamma, but that's okay. We can talk about that another time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Where are all the places that people can go on the internet to find you if they want to see your stuff?
2: The best place is called GameConHQ.com, like GameCon headquarters. Mm -hmm. And I've always meant for that website to be a landing place and not just for my conventions, but you could see some conventions of my friends listed on there, too, at the bottom. But it just would be a place where you can go to see um, everything about game conventions. Yeah. So GameConHQ.com.
0: All right. Cool. Uh, Anitra, where can people find the Family Gamers on the Internet?
1: Oh, well, pretty much any social media, you can look at Family Gamers AA. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Board Game Geek is technically a social media, and we are at Family Gamers AA on there. Sure. Um, And also on YouTube.
0: You can also email us if you have questions directly for us. Andrew at thefamilygamers.com.
1: Anitra at thefamilygamers.com. You can leave questions for the wider Family Gamer community in our Facebook group, which is just called The Family Gamers Community, or find it by going to thefamilygamers.com community. Maybe you can tell us if you would consider taking a board game cruise, yeah? With or I would like talking about til- board game
0: cruises. Basically, my theory on the board game cruise thing is: the more that we insert it into the family gamers cultural zeitgeist, the more I can get it into your headspace, and the easier <laughs> it will be to convince you to go on one of these. We videos. got a
1: we got a year and a half until we hit twenty years, so yeah, maybe, maybe then. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I don't know.
0: I have no idea. Anyway. <laughs> Please, if you're out there, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Tell your friends about the show and leave us a review, whether you like it or not, at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: No, only is leave us a review if you actually like the show. If you don't like the show,
0: <laughs> just leave it alone. Okay, but tell your friends about the <laughs> show. tell your, your friends about read. it anyway. Okay, see, this is why Anitra says this stuff, because I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, you can also find the show on Amazon Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, or on your smart device.
1: The Family Gamers is sponsored by First Move Financial. Please go to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers. There you can learn how the team at First Move Financial can help you pile up the victory points.
0: All of the victory. Ooh. All the victory points. All right. <laughs> it has been lovely to have you on the show. Thanks so much for coming on and spending an hour or so with us.
2: Yeah, thanks for the invite. I loved it. It, it went, went by in a
0: blink. So
2: you guys are great.
0: <laughs> oh, thanks. Oh, thank you. <laughs> And we're going to bring all sorts of stuff to you next week, including our February monthly report. So until then, play games with your kids.